0: The student ministry podcast you're about to hear is a lesson taught during a Wednesday 19 Bible study by Brother Carrie Schmidt. Brother Schmidt has served as an assistant pastor at Lancaster Baptist Church for over 20 years and currently serves as the director of the student ministries. For more sermon resources, please visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. When you open the book of 1 John, you come across a word that happens throughout the book a lot. In fact, if you want to look up in a concordance, if you'll search out the word truth, you will find repeatedly, you'll find in 1 John 1, 6, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Um, down in ver- chapter 2 and verse 21, he says, I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Um, 1 John three eighteen, just before what we read, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So when we open this book, we see this little word, truth, that keeps coming up. And John is saying, I want you to build your life on fact. I want you to know what is true and what is real. I want you to stand on what is solid and what is stable and what is unchanging and unmoving. And I want to build you on the truth. And then he comes to this verse that we read a minute ago, verse 20. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. And he's trying to say there's something that's going to fight truth in your life. Something that emanates, that comes from your heart. Something that comes from within that's going to constantly be assaulting and combating and fighting truth. And trying to get you to believe a lie. I want to start tonight by asking you a few questions. I want you to think about it. I want you to take assessment of your own life. Have you ever been discouraged? Don't answer. Don't raise your hand. Just think. When was the last time you were discouraged? I mean, you know that feeling of I'm just tired of trying to be good. I'm tired of trying to make my parents happy and not being able to. I'm tired of working so hard to uh, please everybody. I'm down. I'm discouraged. Have you ever doubted your salvation? stop and think about that because i don't i don't know that i know a teenager that hasn't at some point doubted am i really saved am i going to heaven and sometimes doubts are legitimate sometimes doubts are because i don't re- i don't remember a time of that i got saved sometimes uh, doubts are the holy spirit convicting us but a lot of times our doubts are nothing more than lies screaming at us what if what if what if i remember was a teenager i wrestled with doubting my salvation there were seasons as in upper elementary and then junior high and once or twice in senior high where I really wrestled with, am I saved? And it wasn't that I didn't remember getting saved. It wasn't that I thought I was not sincere. I. It was just a game of what if I didn't say the right words? What if I thought I was sincere and I really wasn't? What if, what if, what if? And I wonder, and I just really wrestled with doubting my salvation. Do you ever do that? Do you ever wonder if you're really saved? Have you ever doubted whether another person really cares about you? Your parents, your brother, your sister, your friend—have you ever wondered? I, you know, I wonder if that person is just my friend because they feel bad for me. If they're really my friend, I wonder if they're still my friend. I wonder if I'm their best friend as opposed to that. I wonder if they like me better than that person. Have you ever felt as though life wasn't fair? Now, just think with me. Have you ever felt as though life wasn't fair? Do you ever have something that happened to you? You got a discouraging note. You got a discouraging. Uh, demerit or suspension, you got in trouble for something that maybe you were wrong, but you didn't intend to be, and and, and you got in worse trouble than you thought you deserved, and it discouraged you, and and you just maybe wanted to go up to your room and just kind of be alone. Everybody leave me alone. Have you ever been frustrated? Have you ever been angry at somebody? Have you ever been so angry or so frustrated that you acted out and you said things and you did things that you look back on and went, whoa, I didn't mean to say that that way to my parents? Or have you ever heard yourself maybe on a video when somebody was videoing you and you didn't know it and you were like, what are you doing? And then you watched the video and you didn't realize you were that angry? You didn't realize you sounded that mean or that nasty? These are all emotions that we wrestle with. Discouragement, doubt. Have you ever had a time where you felt like you just didn't have the strength or the ability to go forward? You just wondered, man, it's not working out the way I wanted it to, and I'm not, and you ever had a time where you thought, less of yourself and less and less and less and you compared yourself to other people and I'm not and I wish I was like that person I wish I had those parents I wish I was that smart I wish I was that good on the football or the basketball team I wish I'd gotten that part in the senior play I wish I could play that well in that instrument I wish I wish I wish I was these are all in these are all things guys that you could sit in a chair in a room full of people and all this could be going on inside of you and nobody knows it's all going on between here and here, internally. It's all about your heart and your mind, your thoughts, the internal side of you, the innermost part of you, reasoning and speaking to you. you. You In these instances where you're discouraged or you're angry or you're frustrated or you felt that life is unfair or you're comparing yourself or you're looking down on yourself or you wish, this is all stuff. These are conversations you have with yourself Inside your heart and mind. And look at 1 John 3.20 again. If our heart condemn us. That's just a weird statement if you think about it. If our heart condemn us. I mean, if if you could take your heart out of your body and sit it on a plate. That's a weird thought. It's not going to talk to you. I mean, in, in reality, it's it's just kind of a strange thought to think that internally our heart could be conversing with us and speaking to us and condemning us, but he says that's what happens. If our heart condemn us, when this happens or if this happens, what's the solution? He says, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Now, I want, to, I want you to write down some things here real quick, defining some terms here. The word heart in this passage is the center of your spiritual life. This is a long definition. I don't know if you'll get it all written down. So before you write it down, do me a favor. Look at it for a minute and just think because it's hard to write and think, right? The center of spiritual life, your thoughts, your passions, your desires, your appetites, your affections, your purposes, your endeavors. I don't care if you write all those words down. I think it's important that you remember the center of your spiritual life. Your heart is the you that talks to you. All right? It's the, it's the you that talks to you inside of you when no one else is listening and no one else can hear. It's the conversation you're always having with yourself when, when no one else is listening. It's, it's going on inside of you. It's the inner part of your thoughts and your feelings. And that's why I use the term emotions because your heart is what produces your emotions. Hey, help me, guys. What's another synonym for emotions? What's another word for emotions? We're going to use it a lot tonight, but I want you to. Feelings. It's how you feel at a given moment. Some days you feel happy. Some days you feel sad. Some days you feel focused. Some days you feel out of focus. Some days you feel challenged and energized and strengthened, and other days you feel weak and depleted and And there is a wide range of emotions and there's a wide range of feelings that your heart and that this conversation going on inside of you can produce. John writes about the difference between the condemnation of the heart and the confidence of the Lord. And I want you to see it again. If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. The Apostle John says when you are facing condemnation from that internal emotional voice that's speaking to you, there's something greater than the condemnation of your heart, and that is the confidence you can have in the Lord. And he writes that sometimes our hearts will not be aligned with truth. And I want you to look at it again. Look at the verse. If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. You know what he's saying? You know what he's implying in this verse is that what your heart is saying to you in a lot of cases is not true. What he's implying is that a lot of times the conversation we're having in our heads and in our hearts, the you that's talking to you when nobody else is around a lot of times is lying to you. Run that again, Brother Smith. The you that talks to you when no one else around a lot of times lies to you. And that's what he's saying in this verse. He's saying your heart will lie to you. The you inside of you will lie to you. And when that happens, you've got to know it's happening. And you've got to know what God knows. You've got to know the truth that God knows so that you can see past the lies that the you inside is telling you. That's what we're talking about tonight, about the trap of emotions. The word condemn means to find fault or blame. Condemn, to find fault or blame or blame. So if your heart, if the you inside of you condemns you, finds fault with you, blames you, discourages you, draws you into comparison that you always lose, draws you into thought patterns that are not helpful, not truthful, not right. That's the word condemned and here it is. In the next verse, the word confidence. We have confidence toward God. The word confidence is freedom. This was interesting to me when I was studying this. We have, I want you to look at verse 21, beloved of our heart, condemn us not, then we have confidence toward who? Toward God. When I looked up that word and part of the definition was freedom, look at the definition, freedom, cheerful courage, boldness, and assurance. What we're reading in these two verses is the Apostle John saying, when the you inside of you condemns you, finds fault with you, discourages you, lies to you. You can rest in what God knows. God is greater than your heart, and you can have confidence. You can have freedom. You can literally celebrate, I don't have to believe me. I don't have to believe the me inside of me that lies to me. I can believe what God knows, and I can be free from the condemnation of my own emotions. I can be free... From what my heart creates in me that discourages me and frustrates me, I can be cheerful, I can find courage and boldness, and I can find assurance in what I know God knows. There are some people here sitting here tonight, you hate yourself, and your conversation in your head all the time is why you don't measure up, and who you wish you were, and why you wish you were different, and what you wish was different about your life, and your family, and about you, and guess what? You can find freedom from that voice tonight. From those emotions, if you will understand the truth, if you will decide to stop listening to the lies that you tell you, and if you will start believing what is the truth that God knows, emotions, feelings versus truth, fact. Now, the subtitle of the Bible study again was what? Learning how to build my life on fact over feelings. Guys, here's what I'm saying. There's always a war going on inside of you. Nobody can fight it for you cuz only you are aware of it. Your heart, you, the emotions in you are speaking to you constantly. And a lot of times they're lying to you. And if you listen to them, it will take we'll, we'll break it down in a minute. It will take you way far away from where God wants you to be in life. You've got to learn while you are young how to understand the difference between truth and emotion. Fact and feeling. And God says, hey, there's some truth. Listen, there's some truth, but there's some lies. And you've got to be able to discern the difference and know what's real and what isn't. Let me give you some statements here under understanding the issues. Here it is. First statement, there is often a huge difference. There is often a huge difference between fact and feeling. There's often a huge difference between fact and feeling, guys. There's going to be times all through your teen years you don't feel like you have a lot of friends, but the fact is you've got plenty of friends. You may not feel saved, but the fact is if you've trusted Christ, you are saved. You may not feel like going to school, like growing. You know, you may not feel like you are accomplishing anything spiritually in your life, and you're not like you're not getting anywhere spiritually. And the fact is, you are. You are growing. If you've got a heart for God and if you're giving any effort to pursuing him, you are growing and you don't even know it. But the you inside of you can can reason it differently. I don't see any change. I don't think I'm really growing. And you can logic your way. You can emotion your way into giving up, into a point of hopelessness, into a point where you just make a decision that's way off the charts because you believed a lie. There is often a huge difference between fact and and feeling, or between truth and emotions. Now, I have a surprise for you guys tonight, and three people in this room are extremely, extremely lucky, and I always use guys for my illustrations, and so tonight, we're going to use these three girls right here, okay? So you three girls, come on up here. Do you girls like blow pops? Do you like blow pops? I love blow. You guys, how many of you like blow pops? I brought blow pops. Come on up here, girls. Okay, we got strawberry, we got apple, we got regular. Who wants strawberry? Apple, okay, hold on, don't open them yet. Strawberry and regular. Erica, you got stuck with it. Okay, go ahead and open them up, girls, and you just, I want you to make everybody really jealous that you got blow pops. How many of you are jealous you didn't get blow pops and they did? Yeah. Open them up, take a look at them, and girls, just start eating those blow pops because those are some good blow pops. What do we got? Play-Doh? What? What? Now, wait, wait, this is not, now that's a blow pop. Erica, you got a real blow pop? Tony got Play-Doh. Sarah got Play-Doh. Tony got a real blow pop. Now, that's not fair. And that stinks, actually. How many of you, were you looking forward to your blow pop? Were you looking forward to your blow pop? Here it is. That's a stupid illustration, I know. You're all going, come on, Brother Schmidt, you couldn't do any better than that. They all looked pretty good. When I took them out from the pu- pulpit, When they were handed to me earlier today, I couldn't tell a difference. I love blow pops. And I would have been deceived. It looked like a real blow pop stick. It looked like a real blow pop wrapper. It was shaped like a blow pop. It looked like a blow pop. I would have believed it was a blow pop. Say blow pop five times, that's hard. It's easy to get your tang tungled on that one. Okay? Here we go. Look at this one. Now this one's the real one. I want to draw a quick illustration out of this and we'll move on because you guys are obviously very not impressed with this illustration that I took a long time to think of today. They took, of their own free will, they chose blowpops that really weren't blowpops. Why? They didn't have the right information. They didn't know the truth. If you knew the truth, would you have picked that blowpop? No. You guys are going, can we please sit down? Okay, give me your blowpops back and sit down. The fact of the matter is the difference between why I wouldn't have picked the strawberry blow pop was that she didn't know the truth, and I did. I knew which one was made out of Play-Doh. There's a simple difference in why she picked the wrong one and I would have picked the right one, and that's just because I knew truth. I had information she didn't have. Guys, when it comes to your emotions, there's a difference between truth and lies. If you're listening to lies, if you're believing lies, you'll make choices that on the surface look right. But when you unwrap them, you will be severely disappointed. Because you've been listening to and believing lies, because you're not subjecting the emotions to the truth, because you're not applying the information you've been given, you will be deceived. So there's often a big difference between truth and And lies or fact and feeling. What I think is true, what I feel is true, what I want to be true, and what is actually true. Second statement, write this down. Everybody wrestles with feelings or emotions that contradict truth. We'll illustrate that to a greater degree in a few minutes. Everybody wrestles with feelings or emotions that contradict truth. This is not something that only girls wrestle with or that only emotional people, everybody in this room is an emotional being. Everybody in this room has a heart that inside of you is speaking to you constantly. And whether that heart is subjected to truth or whether that heart is speaking lies really falls between you and God and your walk with him on a daily basis. But everybody wrestles with feelings and emotions that contradict truth, like coming back to doubting your salvation I don't know a Christian that hasn't doubted their salvation at some point. And I know Christians that get assurance every year. They just, you know, I've been I I've assurance of my salvation 52 times. Well, actually that's like saying I never did really get assurance. Cuz if you have assurance, you don't you, you don't need assurance. And God doesn't want us to to be listening to lies and and to allow emotions to take the lead and cause that kind of havoc or that kind of dis Uh, or instability in our lives. But everybody wrestles with this. Everybody in your relationships, in your friendships, in your relationship with your parents, authority, in your work life, in your career, in your ministry, if you're going to the ministry, you will wrestle with your heart telling you lies, bold-faced, outright lies, imaginations that have nothing to do with truth. And if you believe them, you will act and decide and follow a path in life that's completely different than if you knew the truth. If you knew what was really going on, you would see the situation differently and, and, and your emotions would have to take a back seat. Number three statement, write this down. Satan uses emotions to draw us away from truth. Coming back to my stupid blow pop illustration, Satan doesn't want you to know the truth. He certainly doesn't want you to choose the truth. So he's going to take lies and make them look like truth and make them feel like truth. And where he operates, where he does this work is in your imagination, in your heart, in the conversation going on inside of you. While I'm teaching this Bible study, you have a conversation going on inside of you. You're either receiving the truth or you're reasoning it away. Or maybe you're thinking of somebody that you know that really needs to hear this. Or maybe you're wishing I would shut up so we could go home early. Or so you could talk to your friends. Or maybe you're thinking about the boy or the girl that you like, and and the conversation you're having is on another planet. I don't know what conversation you're having with yourself internally while this Bible study is going on, but that conversation is the target of of what I'm talking about tonight. And if Satan can win that conversation, he can win you. If Satan can win the conversation going on inside of you, he can win you. He can get you to run away. He can get you to break everybody's heart. He can get you to do the dumbest things you could ever imagine doing. He can get you to leave your spouse someday. He can get you to wreck your family, leave your kids, hurt people. He can get you to do the most retarded things. Because if he can win that conversation going on inside of you, he wins. So he wants to draw you away from truth. He doesn't want you to know the truth. Next, write this down. Successful Christians, successful Christians discover the secret of letting truth rule emotions, and we'll illustrate that in a greater way in a few minutes. Successful Christians discover the secret. There's this way of winning the conversation within you. There's this way of knowing the truth and knowing when your emotions are lying to you and when your feelings are lying to you, and there's a way of shouting them down. There's a way of saying, that's a lie, and I refuse that feeling. I refuse that emotion. I'm not having that conversation. The day that I stopped doubting my salvation was the day I understood this principle, that it's not about how I feel, it's about the truth of the Bible. The truth of the Bible is, I was a sinner, I deserve to pay for my sin in hell because the wages of sin is death. The truth of the Bible is, God doesn't want me to go to hell, and a loving God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. And so the great loving Heavenly Father devised a way of salvation, a way of redemption, he became a man. Named Jesus, he lived a perfect and sinless life, and he went to a cross, and on that cross he became a human sacrifice for my sin, and he paid the death and the wage that I deserved. He took my place. Essentially, I was condemned guilty, and I was strapped to the electric chair, but he unstrapped me, and he strapped himself in, and he died my death on the cross in my place. I asked him to save me and accepted by faith what he did on the cross. So according to the truth of the word of God and the promise of God, I am saved. There's no question. There's no need to doubt. There's no need to wonder. There's no need to go back and figure it all out. It is a fact settled forever that nothing can change. But there are mornings and there have been mornings that I woke up going, I wonder if it really worked. I wonder if I said the right words and what if I really didn't mean and I thought I meant and on and on and on. And And I had this conversation with myself and wrestled and wrestled and wrestled and didn't want to tell anybody because I was embarrassed and didn't want to really go talk to anybody. And then a teen camp or a youth conference came around and somebody preached and I went forward and I got the assurance of my salvation. But guess what? I still woke up three months later wondering. I wonder. And it wasn't until I understood the principle I'm teaching you tonight that there was a conversation going on inside of my heart, in my imagination, that was generated from my heart, but it was really Satan wanting to draw me away, and he was playing emotion against truth. And the day I understood that was the day I said, I'm going to stop conversing with emotion, and I'm going to tell my emotions to follow truth. I'm not going to let emotions control me or ru- rule me or run me. I'm going to tell my emotions that they're going to obey truth. Which brings me to point number one. We're not going to study Bible characters so much tonight. I didn't want to just narrow it down to one or two characters. And so point number one is a life built upon feelings. What does this life... If if I decide, okay, I don't really want to listen to this Bible study or I don't get this, it's too deep for me or too heavy, uh, or, or I don't really... Let's just say that you walk out of here tonight and you didn't get it, and you're going to let your emotions rule you, and you're going to live your life losing the conversation and believing the lies that you tell you inside of you. What is your life going to look like? A life built upon feelings, listen to this, is a life in a constant state of temptation. This is a life in a constant state of temptation. Let me give you an illustration. I married a wonderful, awesome, incredible woman. She married an even more awesome. No, I'm just, the fact, the truth of the matter is, there's nobody better on the planet for me. There's nobody I could be more happy with. There's nobody I could enjoy more as a friend as a companion, as a spouse. There's nobody I could have built a better life with. She was who God made for me, and I hope she believes I'm who God made for her. If not, we're in real trouble. That's the truth. That's the fact. If I let my life go on feelings, if I just let my feelings control do you understand feelings don't hold a good relationship together? That's why teen dating is so silly and so funny most of the time because it's, it's all based on feelings and emotions. Feelings are not substantive. They're not, they're not cement. They don't, they, don't, they don't form anything solid. And so if, if my life or her life were built on emotions and feelings, do you realize how many times in our married life, in our 22 years, I have let my wife down? That I have discouraged her or I've, in some c- circumstance uh, where obviously I'm right and she's wrong. No. There have been so many times that I've let her down and disappointed her. And her feelings or her emotions, if you, had, if you had pinpointed that moment, if you pulled her aside and interviewed her, if you had interviewed the heart, the her inside of her. So how much do you love your husband right now? I don't love him at all, that jerk. Really? Really? I don't feel like loving him. I don't feel attracted to him. I don't feel like kissing him. I don't feel like staying with him. I don't feel like we're even right for each other. I don't even know what I felt the day I married that man. I can't fathom why I even gave those vows. Those emotions would loudly shout, get out. Find another way. Find another person. There's somebody else that's better for you. He's let you down. He's disappointed you. He's fr- look how frustrated you are. Look how look how he's not meeting your needs. And go find. There's somebody out there that really, really, really. And those emotions. And boy, the devil can plant imagination and plant imagination. And the devil can 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 lead that conversation inside of you a, a direction that it should never go. And if she listens or if I listen to that conversation inside those emotions. My life is going to be constantly exposed to temptation. I'm not just talking about sexual temptation or romantic temptation. I'm talking about temptation in every area. We talked about substance abuse. You want to throw your life into a constant state of temptation to give in to substance abuse? Just be led by your emotions. Oh, I feel so discouraged. Oh, I need to escape my, my, my horrible life. You want to throw your life into a constant state of being tempted to rebel and defy against your parents? Just Go on feelings and just imagine that your parents have it out for you and they really want to make you miserable and they really don't want to spend time with you and they really and they really and they really. And and just listen to the accusations, the condemnation that your heart throws up into your conscious conversation with yourself. If you're led around by feelings, you're going to be in a constant state of temptation. Next, a life built upon feelings is in a constant state of instability. Instability. You're never going to know a strong foundation, what's real, what's solid, what's unchanging. You're, constantly, you're going to be like a ship without an anchor that just is floating and tossed and turned, and whatever the storms of life and wherever the winds of life and the currents of life throw this little ship, you're just going to go with the flow of emotion and feeling, constant state of instability and constantly longing and looking out and reaching out for something to hang on to To feel like you're stabilized in life and you're never going to find it. A life built upon feelings, finally, is a life on a constant path of bad decisions. On a constant path of bad decisions. I've given this illustration before, but several years ago we bought a golden retriever. He was a little golden retriever when we got him and then he became a horse. This was the biggest golden retriever I've ever seen. And then he had a weight problem so he got even bigger. He was a big overweight, obese golden retriever. And then we got him on the right medication, and he slimmed right down, and he, he was this, I mean, he looked like the golden retriever on the, on the puppy, uh, no, on the dog food commercial. I don't know which one. I'm totally making this up, but anyway. We named him Mac, and one day we took Mac to the park. Mac had never been to the park, and he wasn't used to walking on a leash, and he did not like having a leash. We put a choker collar on him, which he didn't, didn't faze him. I mean this dog strangled himself for an hour and a half and he didn't even it never even hit him hit his conscious thought. Haley, I was having a hard time walking Mac. I mean Mac would not sit still. I mean he was everywhere and I'm fighting him and I'm wrestling with him. I'm just in a constant state of frustration. I'm like we're taking this dog back home. I'm kicking him, I'm beating him, I'm yelling at him. I mean and finally settled down and Haley was like I want to walk Mac or it was Larry or so. I don't remember who. They were just little I want to walk Mac, and and I think it was Haley. She grabbed a hold of Mac's leash, and Mac looked at her and went, "Oh, I'm bigger than you," and he just <laughs> Haley's ah holding on for dear life. She's getting drugged all around, and wherever Mac wanted to go, Haley had to go, unless she let go. But when when I finally got a hold of him, I grabbed that leash and I shortened it up and wrapped it around my wrist, and I grabbed him by the mane of his neck, the nap of his neck, and pulled him back. And you sit, you stay. And I had watched the dog whisper, and I know that you're supposed to tell this dog that you are the pack leader. He is not the pack leader. You are the pack leader. So I looked at him and went, oh, I am the pack leader. I do this with my dog now. We have a little dog that, his name is Dash, and he's just, he just thinks he owns the whole backyard and all the other dogs. So he barks at him, and he wants to fight with him sometimes. And I walk out there, and he goes, I go, that's right, I'm the pack leader. So I'd grab Mac, and I'd sit him down. I'd make him sit still. Do you know that's how emotions are? Your feelings, your emotions are the big dog. And you're either Haley or Brother Schmidt. You're either Haley, and however you feel is where you go. Whoa, just getting jerked all over the place. Or you're going to be like the pack leader, and you're going to grab those emotions and tell them to shut up when they lie to you, because emotions lie a lot. You ask anybody who has a wrecked life, multiple marriages, kids out of wedlock, substance abuse, just a train wreck of a life, just ask them, how'd you get here? And you know what they're going to say? I just did what I felt like doing. I just did what I felt like. Write this down. Next number two, a life built upon fact. Let's let's look at it. A life built upon fact. I heard a story one time, and I'll and I'll share it with you real quick uh, that really painted this illustration of, of building your life on truth instead of feeling. Imagine with me that you are walking through the woods. You've gone up. You've driven up to the mountains. You're taking a walk through the woods, and you get lost. You're trying to find your way out of the woods. You're by yourself. And you come across a grizzly bear. I mean, this is a big grizzly bear. He's huge. He's, he's at least three times your size. You, you come across a grizzly bear. He's a mean, nasty, angry grizzly bear. He's hungry. He's looking for dinner. I mean, he's got a napkin tied around his neck. He's got a bottle of A1 sauce in one paw. He's got a knife and a fork in this one. And he's looking for something to eat. And he looks at you. And you start to have a conversation with yourself, and it's a very rapid conversation because your blood starts to pump and your adrenaline and your brain starts rationalizing and the conversation goes like this. Oh, there's a bear, and bears eat meat, and I'm made out of meat. This is a problem. And your brain starts to go, uh, what do I do? And the other part of your brain is going, I don't know, but while I'm thinking what to do, I better start doing one thing, and that's what? run so you start to run and so while your brain's going okay while well, i'm thinking of something else why don't you run your feet run, feet run run so your feet start to run and you're having this conversation on the inside of you in like a tenth of a second you start to run and the bear starts to chase you and he puts his knife and fork in his pocket and his a1 sauce in his pocket and he starts barreling down the hill after you and you are running and you are barely ahead of this bear and he is coming at you feel it you feel his breath on the back side of your neck i mean you are about to die This bear is about to eat you, and you are running through the woods, and you see in the distance on the side of a mountain, built into the side of a mountain, a big neon sign that says, bear shelter, with a big arrow, and it's flashing, you are safe here, run here, and your brain's going, okay, a bear shelter, and you run, and you find an opening, and you run in, and you slam the door, just as you slam the door, the bear hits the door, and bounces off, and you bar the door, and there's a little window, right, this big, that the bear can put his snout in, and he's looking in there, and he's snorting in there, and you are in this room, let's just imagine that you're in this room that's about 10 by 10, and you are now in a safe bear shelter, and the door is locked, and the neon sign promises you safety, but what do you do? I know what I would do. I would be all the way back against the wall, <laughs> breathing. My heart would be pounding out of my chest. My head would probably hurt. I would be panicked, terrified, thinking that bear is going to break that door down because of snouts, you know, breathing breath in the room, and he's growling. Now, here it is, the fact. Let's say that this bear shelter is scientifically proven to be absolutely impenetrable by any grizzly bears that live on planet Earth. It's proven. It's truth. It's fact. You are safe. Do you feel safe? No. You don't feel safe. And you know what? If you're a guy, if you are a courageous guy, if you are a he-man of he-men, it's 30 minutes before your emotions start settling down. And if you're a girl, it's... Nine hours before your emotions start settling down. It's nine years before your emotions. You'll be telling that story nine years from now and still needing to go use the restroom. The truth is your emotions can lie to you. You could be surrounded by truth and by security and stability and your emotions can be screaming, you are in danger, you're about to die. And they're lying. But the longer you stay in that bear shelter and the longer you sit there and watch that bear try to break in, the more your emotions start to go, hmm, I don't guess he can get in here. And the truth part of your brain is telling your emotions, settle down and shut up. And your emotions are going, I don't want to settle down and shut up. I'm going to die. And the truth part of you is going, no, you're not going to die. Settle down. And give it some time. And you know what? Your emotions do. They go, all right, truth, you win. I'm safe. And you stop worrying. And that goes in all of life. The more you listen to your emotions, the more you believe lies, the more you do things and act in ways and feel ways that you, you shouldn't. The, but the more you learn how to build your life on fact, the more you, you tell your feelings to shut up and settle down and obey. And listen, let me give you the statements real quick, and then we'll wrap this up. A life built on fact does not trust feelings. A life built on fact just, just, just doesn't trust feelings. you ever have somebody you don't trust? I don't trust that guy. He's up to something. A life built on fact just automatically questions and suspects emotions all the time. I don't know. This is how I feel, but I, it's probably not real. Mom and Dad, I feel, like, I feel like I can never make you happy. That's probably not true, but that's how I feel. Help me out. Doesn't trust feelings. Next, a life built on fact discovers that feelings will always follow truth. Eventually, feelings will always follow truth. If you tell feelings to shut up and obey truth, eventually they will. Next. A life built on fact will be on a constant path of good decisions, you know why? Because you'll be deciding things based on truth. You'll pick the right blow pop cause you will know the truth. You won't get stuck with Plato. You know another verse that's awesome for this principle, and we'll wrap this up. look at it though 2 corinthians ten five casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. there it is, casting down imaginations every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, the truth of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. No, I'm not going to let my emotions lie to me. I'm not going to let them run off down the road with me. I am going to grab them by the mane and tell them to sit down and shut up and obey the truth of the Bible. Now, I want, I want you to look at the conclusion here, and then i got a big surprise for you. Four ways that you can escape the lies of emotions. Number one, learn to cast down lying emotions or runaway emotions or imaginations. Next, number two, learn and apply the truth of the word of God. The more you learn this book and apply this book, the more you know the truth and the less you believe lies. Number three, act and seek for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Do you guys know something? The Holy Spirit, the conversation that goes on inside of you, When you say in the morning, Holy Spirit, I need you to fill me today. You know what you're saying? Holy Spirit, I need you to be the voice that converses with me inside today. I need you to tell me truth. I need you to prompt me and remind me of truth. I need you to speak truth. I need you to control the conversation inside of me today. Holy Spirit, please fill me. And you can have God's help in controlling those emotions and winning that conversation. And lastly, be willing to hear the counsel of other godly people or of godly people. Point being, sometimes people will tell you, no, sometimes somebody will come up to you, a friend or a person that loves you, and say, listen to me. The way you're thinking is not true. This is the truth. You need to be willing to listen to it. How many of you would decide tonight, or how many of you could say with me tonight, Brother Schmidt, I want to win the conversation within me by God's grace. I don't want to be drug around by lying emotions. I want to know the difference between emotions and truth, and I want to found my life on truth. I want to win that conversation. Can you lift your hand? That's that's my heart. I want to win that conversation. Thank you for listening to this Student Ministry 127 podcast. For more sermon resources, visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. And for information about West Coast Baptist College, visit wcbc.edu.